0: Psalm 138, please. It's interesting that's on page 666 sitting in your Schofield Bible. I don't think that means anything. Psalm 138, and verse 1, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for another opportunity to preach. Thank you, Lord, for each one that's come this way today. Thank you for what we've experienced already today. And Lord, I pray as I bring the message the Spirit of God would Enable me to have the wisdom that I need and the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver the message in a way that will exalt you and lift your name high. I pray, God, that you would deal with every heart, bring conviction, save any lost, and revive your people today in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to speak to you today on the Bible The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. You remember that little song, don't you? And here the Bible said that God has magnified His Word above all His name. Some people say you make too much of the Bible. I don't think you can make too much of it. And uh, the name of God, the Bible one of the Ten Commandments, Thy shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And the Lord do not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And yet he says here he's magnified his word above all his name. And so we're going to magnify the word of God today as it's already been. And uh, The Bible is an interesting book. The Bible is a unique book. Uh, It's different than all other books of the world. Someone said that uh, uh, this Bible I have has a leather cover, speaks of death. An animal had to die in order for that to be made possible. And uh, the Bible speaks of death and the death of Christ in order that I might live. Uh, many things about this wonderful book that we can look at. First of all, I'm going, what I'm going to do is use each letter of Bible uh, and uh, as a point in the message, the B, we notice that it is a book of blood. Uh, every page of this Bible drips with blood, so to speak. Uh, it is a, shows the importance of the blood. Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. You know, you go to a barber shop and you have these uh, uh, unique signs turning there at the barber shop. I am told that uh, that represents a time when they used to let blood. Uh, occasionally they do that now, but not on purpose. <laughs> but uh, they used to believe that the disease was in the bloodstream, and if they could drain out some of the blood, uh, then that would help a person get better. They didn't realize they were draining out the very disease-fighting properties that were in the blood there. But the Lord said many years ago, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And uh, of course, man is a sinner. The wages of sin is death. And the remedy for death is life. Where is life? Life is in the blood. That's why Jesus had to shed his blood. The Bible tells us in Hebrews nine twenty two, well that shedding of blood is no remission. I still like the song What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. They say it's a slaughterhouse religion. Well, I'll tell you, it still takes the blood to get rid of sin. And uh, without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. God illustrated this in the Garden of Eden. After Adam and Eve had sinned against the Lord when he clothed them with coats of skin, killing the animal, and illustrating that blood would have to be shed for them to be forgiven, for them to be clothed in the righteousness of God. When they bring four children to the world, they have Cain and Abel, and Abel brings the first sons of the flock an offering to the Lord. And the Lord respects that offering and rejects Cain's offering. Cain bought a good offering, but it was the works of his own hands. And God rejected that and continues to reject it. You say, I think I'll go to heaven. I've tried to live right. I've tried to I've tried to treat people right. I've been honest. I've been a good person. I think I'll make it. I want to say to you that man's own goodness will never get him to heaven. He always comes up short. The only thing is the blood of Christ. Abel brought the blood offering, and God respected his offering. This Bible is a book of blood, and all through the Old Testament you have the animal sacrifices, and all of them was a picture and a type of Jesus that would pay the ultimate sacrifice and offer his blood in the heavenly tabernacle as an offering and a payment for our sin. And I want to say that he has paid for your sin. Whether man ever accepts the payment, Jesus died for you. The Bible said he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And I believe that Jesus paid the debt of sin. You know, it is it, all the blood, someone said all the blood of the Old Testament sacrifices. If you gathered it all together, that it be a river of blood, or a lake of blood, But I want to say that the blood of animals, the blood of bulls and goats, Hebrews says, could not take sin away. It only atoned for sin. It only pointed to Christ. It only delayed judgment until Jesus took that sin upon himself and paid for it with his own blood. It is a book of blood. Then we come to the eye. It is a book that is inspired. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. It's profitable for doctrine. That's what is right. It's profitable for reproof, what is not right. It's profitable for correction, how to get right. And it's profitable for instruction in righteousness, how to stay right. The Bible is inspired. It's all inspired. Even the genealogies are inspired of God. And sometimes you may not get a lot of uh, comfort out of those genealogies, but they're all there for a purpose. And they're all important. It's all inspired. I believe it all. Someone said they believed it from cover to cover and believe the covers. Because the cover said Holy Bible. Well, I won't go that far, but I do believe it is all inspired. Someone told, uh, I think it was B.R. Lakin, said, well, I believe it in spots. He said, I don't know where the spots are. I just believe it all or none. And I agree with him. I believe it's all the Word of God, every word of it. And it's all, it's what the Bible said, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Second Peter 1, 20 and 21, knowing this first that no prophecy in the scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came out in all time by the will of man, but the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Uh, these men, men, you say men, wrote the Bible. That's true. And yet those men were moved upon and inspired by the Spirit of God to write what they wrote. I believe every word of it is inspired. I do not just believe the meanings are inspired. I believe the words are inspired of God. And God has preserved those words for you and I. And the Bible is an amazing book. That kings wrote portions of the Bible. And yet fishermen wrote other portions. And yet there's no disagreement anywhere in the Word of God. No mistakes. No contradictions. It's all true. It's all believable. It's all trustworthy. And, uh, and this, this is a miracle that God was able to do that. The Bible is the inspired word of God himself for a man. It's a book of blood. It's a book that is inspired. Then not only that, the, the second B, B-I-B, it is a book to believe. You know, I can believe the Bible. I believe it all, as I said. And, uh, and I a lot, of, a lot of things I don't understand. But I believe it. And you know, it, it's, to, it's to be accepted by faith. I don't, I don't understand how a black cow and eat green grass and give white milk and make out butter. Now, you explain that. I don't understand how you can breathe in good air and breathe that bad air, not breathe back into bad air. You just breathe out. A lot of things in life we don't understand, but we accept, don't we? And it is a bug to believe. You go into a hospital room and they have oxygen on the patient. And you're not to be smoking in there. They used to have signs, no smoking. Now they have signs when you go in the door of the hospital, no smoking anywhere. And it's probably a pretty good thing. But I go in there, I don't see any oxygen. I say, I don't, I don't have to obey that sign. I don't see nothing. All I see is a tube. But I know if you get, if you get a spark to that oxygen, you have problems, that pure oxygen. And, uh, and they have that sign, and yet people strike matches and light up all the time, and the atmosphere don't blow up. You got oxygen, you got hydrogen, you got nitrogen, you got all these gases. Why don't it explode? Because there's a God that keeps it all in order. The Bible say he not only created it, but the Bible says by him do all things consist. He keeps everything running right. In him we live and move and have our being. We draw our very life from God himself. I believe the earth was created, not evolved. I don't believe one, one speck of evolution. I think it was Billy Kelly said evolution went like this. Once I was a tadpole with a tail long and slim, then I was a frog with my tail tucked in, then I was a monkey hanging from a tree, and now I'm a doctor with a Ph.D. <laughs> 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 you, you believe evolution? Believe that. I don't believe in evolution. I believe God spoken into being. I don't believe in theistic evolution. I don't believe God used evolution. I don't believe those days in Genesis were millions of years. I believe God spoke it into being. How powerful is God? Jesus was God. He said to the stormy sea, "Peace, be still," and the storm immediately obeyed Him. When God speaks a word, it happens. That's powerful, you know. And uh, and I, I I never cease to be amazed that I can hold in my hand such power. This is the most powerful book in all the world. I believe in creation. Don't believe in evolution. Believe the Israelites marched across the Red Sea on dry ground. I don't believe it's the Reed Sea. I don't believe it's ankle deep water. I believe God parted the sea and they walked across. I believe Jonah swallowed the whale. How many believe that? Jonah swallowed the whale. Uh oh. <laughs> see if you're listening. <laughs> I believe the whale swallowed Jonah. And uh, I don't have any problem with that. People say that's impossible. I believe Jesus walked on the water. I believe he fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. I believe he could speak to a dead man and the dead come forth from the grave. That's power. I want to tell you it's a book to believe. I believe he died on the cross, was buried, and three days later walked out alive forevermore, never to die anymore. That's Jesus. That's our Savior. And 40 days later, he ascended back to the Father. And soon he's coming in the clouds to get us out of here. The Bible said in John 20, 30, and 31, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not Or To have eternal life, you've got to believe this book. Many other things he, he did Many other things he said. Don't worry about those. They ain't we need to worry about what he put in this book. The Bible said if you believe it, you can have life. That's why these men are trying to raise money to buy Bibles. <laughs> they believe that. And One thing I like about the Gideons, everyone I ever met tries to win souls themselves. You know, I wouldn't have much confidence someone tried to Try to get Bibles to other people and try to get them saved. The one trying to do it here, it's a book to believe. So the Bible is a book of blood. It's a book that's inspired. It's a book to believe, and then the world. It is a book to love. Psalm one nineteen ninety seven. We used in the opening. Oh how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. What do you think about? You tell me what you think about and I'll tell you what you're in love with. When I started courting my wife, that's all I could think about. I was in love with her. (laughs) But I'll tell you, when you get saved, that's something you think about too, isn't it? You remember when God saved you? You know why we don't meditate in the Word of God? We don't read the Word of God meditation i met you in the opening we've lost the art of meditation we're too busy running ourselves to death and why you know i talked about the porches in the old days you know how long has it been since you've seen somebody sitting out on a porch the day his work was done they they went home, got in the rocking chair and sat there on the porch. Neighbors maybe come over and talk a while and, and meditation. The word meditation, the Bible has the idea of a cow chewing the cud. You know, a cow will go out there in the early morning, eat grass, got those three stomachs and, and, and eat the grass and, and then they'll go over on a shade tree and lay down, belch it up and chew it. Now, I don't, I don't think I'd enjoy that, but if I was a cow, I'd like that. But they brush it up and they ruminate, they meditate on it. The Lord said, that's what I want you to do. When you come to church and hear the word of God, then go home and during the week, think about it. Meditate on it. He said, I meditate on the word of God all the day. Psalm 119, 127, Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Is that really true? We love the Word of God more than we love making money. That's what the psalmist said. You know, Psalm 119 is the longest, longest chapter in the entire Word of God. 176 verses and all 176 verses magnify the Word of God and tell how he loves the love of God, how he loves the Word of God, how wonderful it is to him. And uh, he said, I love it above gold, above fine gold. There's nothing more important to me than the Word of God. It's a book to love. You love the Bible? You ought to love it. You ought to love it first of all because of its purity. Psalm 12, 6, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. You know, you don't have to be embarrassed when you read the Word of God, do you? It's a pure book. But I tell you, on television, you know, they ain't three or four channels worth having as far as I'm concerned. Recently they added, the cable company added a bunch of more channels and said everybody is asking for it. I've yet to find the first person that asked for it. I don't know who they're talking about. And they just added more junk. And I'll tell you, you can be embarrassed with that, but you'll not be embarrassed with the things of God. I love it because of its purity. I love it because of its power. Nothing like the Word of God. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the power of God unto salvation. First Corinthians 2, 4, he said, I came in demonstration of the spirit and of power. This book will absolutely change your life. Nothing changes people like the word of God. You know, in going out and witnessing to people, sitting in people's homes, I never cease to be amazed the effect this book has on people. It's not my personality. It's not my ability. It's not my words. that You can talk about a whole lot of things, but when you start talking about this book, there's a difference. And this brother gave testimony and illustrations of people that are, who, whose lives have been transformed by the power of the Word of God. It still works, doesn't it? It still does the job. It is a powerful book. I love it because of its power. It will fix what else you It will change your life. You'll never be the same. I've never been the same. Neither will you. You know you've been saved. You know what I'm talking about. Bible says in 1 Peter 1:23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. How does a person get born again? You can't go to heaven without being born again. Isn't that what Jesus told Nicodemus? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How are you born again? You're born again by the word of God. That's the agent. The word of God and the spirit of God work hand in hand to bring about the new birth. I love it because of his power. I love it because of his promises. You know, this Bible is full of promises. I've heard different figures of how many promises there are. I don't know. I've never counted them all, but there's a whole bunch. I love it because of his promises. What other book in the world promises eternal life? You know, millions and millions of dollars are spent every year on health care. We treasure life. And there's nothing wrong with that. We value life. That's why I'm against abortion. I believe abortion is taking life. And I believe life is valuable. And man wants to live. Death is unnatural. Death was never meant to be a part of our being. Sin brought it on us. And we want to live. We get sick. We go to the doctor. And we try to get better and live a little while. We know no matter what we do, sooner or later we're going to die. But we want to live physically. But I'll tell you, this book tells you how to live forever. How to live forever in a glorified body. Man, I wouldn't miss that. I'll tell you, a body is never going to get old. Body is never going to get sick. Body is never going to get tired. Body is never going to die. Body is going to last forever. That, that's what I'm looking forward to. If it wasn't for that, I, would, I think I would be despondent and discouraged. But this is a book of promises. It promises eternal life. It promises a new body. It promises a new Jerusalem with streets of gold and walls of jasper and gates of pearl and a tree of life that has 12 manner of fruits and has a crop every month. <laughs> That's where I want to go, and I'm going there by the grace of God, not by my own goodness. It is a book. It is a book to love. Do you love the Bible? Would you like someone else to be introduced to it? (laughs) You know? Well, they can be. You know, you can buy Bibles, give Bibles. And then finally the E, B-I-B-L-E. It is a book that is eternal. (laughs) You know, this book is hated and despised and But it marches on, doesn't it? Psalm 119, 89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It may not be settled in some people's minds. It may not be settled in some colleges, but it's settled in heaven. Thy word is settled in heaven. In Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. The word of God endures forever. In John 6, they said this is a hard saying. Who can, who can hear it? And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And Jesus turned to the twelve and says, Will he also go away? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words, thou hast the words of eternal life. How do you get eternal life? You get it by words. Whose words? God's words. Where are those words at? Those words in this Bible. That's where it's at. Thou hast the words of eternal life. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. There's a poem I learned years ago, if I can remember it. I hadn't quoted it in a long time, but I'll try. It talks about the eternal Word of God. It goes like this. Last Eve, I paused beside the blacksmith shop and heard the anvil ring, the vesper chime. Looking in upon the floor, I saw all hammers worn by beating years of time. How hey, many anvils have you had, asked I, where that warren and battered all those hammers so? Just one, said he, and then with twinkling eye the anvil wears the hammers out, you know. And so far I, the anvil of God's word for aging skeptics blows a beat upon And though the noise of falling blows is heard, the anvil is unharmed and the hammers are gone. The eternal, everlasting word of our God marches on. Thank God for the Bible. Let's bow our heads.